This is a true story. To find out what happens, what happens? when people stop being polite. Start getting. <laughs> Okay, um, I want to welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to a special episode of The Real World, and I get the chance to have somebody special as a guest. Um, it's somebody that I've known now since it's 21 for, ooh, 22 years. Um, I've seen this brother grow. I've known from the minute that I met him what he would kind of become, but it's really cool seeing some of your friends and the, the journey that they take and kind of where things end up. Um, so, uh, I want to give everybody a shout out, uh. For my guy, uh, Pastor Mike Kelsey. Yo, what's up, man? I'm glad you. I'm glad you knew where I was going because I didn't know where I was going. So, <laughs> see, I could give like a little backstory and clarity that people probably wouldn't even believe. Mm. Um, oh, you know, you know all, you know all the things, bro. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. I was having this conversation with my aunt because I'm like, hey, um, I got my old college roommate coming on a podcast, and she was just like, well, "What do you guys want to talk about?" And I'm like. Honestly, you know how as a child, like I used to always say, Jay-Z said this line once and it's stuck in my head. I'm destined for greatness. Mm. And in seeing that line, I always thought that I would be, you know, a part of something big, whether I sparked the change that, you know, drives the next generation or something mm-hmm. or actually made that change myself. I knew that I'd be involved in the process. I also saw that within you, like mm. from and I mean, anybody that listens to this. Our freshman year of college, I remember you used to have people basically bust to your dad's church. Like that was a real mm. thing where we would pack into yeah. to the van and you yeah. had like mad freshmen going to church every Sunday. I don't yeah, think man. that I've been that into church since then. And certainly like I go, but I'm very sporadic. And so mm-hmm. like it's those kind of things that I kind of like pull back and I remember about how powerful it was and how certainly like there are some things that are just destined to be. Whether you mm. run from it, however you don't see it, it sees you. Yeah, man. Yo, I definitely, you know, you got all the stories. You know, I, I, I was running like crazy. So it is crazy, man, doing what I'm doing now. But I, I appreciate that encouragement, man. Nah, I'm really proud of you, man. Like, I, it's one of those things. Like, I always say, like, yo, like, uh, my boy, if I ever decide to get married, he's got to officiate my wedding. I've literally told you this since then. I'm like, Let's we go. were 18 years old. Yeah, like, whenever Listen, the time I'll come comes. I'll come back and do a whole episode. Let's, I'll do a whole episode on you uh, getting married. We can come back <laughs> and do that. And I know you're doing an interview, but I do have one question for you, which is, um, do you have a jump shot yet? My jump shot's been mean, bro. So it. it's been like 20 years since we've known each other, and I feel like it's been bricks no. for like 20 years. So. No, come on out there. Your little brother still plays with us. Come on out there. Yeah, okay. All right. We, we can get you out there. Like, we, have, we have a COVID <laughs> safe place that we even go to. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. three people, like a half court. <laughs> it's an indoor spot. has like the, the, um, the Dr. Dish like shooting machines. Like it's real cool. You can, you can certainly come out and, and get some of these J's real quick. Let's go, bro. So, um, we're living in some weird times, and yeah, with that, I wanted to know what you thought of as the church's role when you can't touch people the same way that you're used to. It's really mm. easy to touch people when you see them a few times a week. Now, you don't get the chance to actually you know, interact with people, feel their energy. What's yeah. your role 
to kind of do the things that you think are necessary. And by necessary, like, again, I know that we always save this. It's not about saving lives. You're trying to save souls. You're trying to introduce people mm-hmm. to Christ. And so in doing that, how do you do that remotely or through yeah. Zoom? It's been tough, dog. It's been tough, man, because you take you take being able to be together physically for granted. And I'm sure we all feel that even when we think about our families and stuff. Like my grandmother is in an assisted living facility and we haven't been able to physically be with her, physically touch her since March. And so it's it's January right now. Um, and so that's been a long time. And so you you know, you take you take that for granted. Um, so it's, it's been rough, dog. Um, one, not, not, not seeing people um, physically, um, in person. Uh, Sundays, obviously, is way different. Um, now, we thankfully, we kind of had an online presence before all of this happened. We were broadcasting our worship gatherings. We had, uh, you know, stuff on social media. People could interact on chat during worship gatherings, stuff like that. So to some degree, it was plug and play. We just kind of rolled over full time to that. Um, so the infrastructure was in place, um, but but you lose that. Uh, you just lose the the. It's just a different feel, you know what I'm saying? When you're able to to be with people, but then add to that, just folks, man, that are really vulnerable in this season. So we have you know older people that have health conditions. Um, we got younger people that have pre-existing conditions. We have people who have gone through crazy stuff. Um, I did a funeral last week, Monday. Um, a guy in our church, 31 years old, wife, three young kids, uh, died of COVID, um, trying to navigate caring for a grieving family or coordinating a funeral or whatever, um, or on the other end of the spectrum, something exciting like a wedding, you know, in a pandemic when people are supposed to social distance, wear a mask or just not be together anyway, it's, it's been tough, man. But, uh, but on the flip side of that though is uh and you know i mean for all of us um where you quoting lyrics you know trying to trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents that's kind of where we've been is uh is like all right if if this is our situation then i think in any challenge or within any obstacle is an opportunity and so we've been trying to figure out all right what's the opportunity in this and i think one of the biggest opportunities is it's been a helpful reminder that the church is not a building you know what I'm saying? Like we put so much emphasis on the building or that one to two to three, depending on <laughs> what kind of denomination you're part of, hours on a Sunday, man. But the church is is a community of people that have faith in Jesus and are called to represent him in serving and bringing blessing to the world. So we've shifted a lot of energy to just equipping the church to be the church where they are, which Bars. we should be doing as the church anyway you know what i'm saying so for example for us uh like one of those things has been since march we've been doing food distribution and we we're i mean honestly by god's grace we we're one of the largest i think the second largest but definitely one of the largest distributors of free food um in the dc metro area um we we've been able to give uh it's been like i think 5.4 million meals um uh like six million dollars just out of our budget we've been able to shift to that and it's all volunteer driven you know it's hundreds of volunteers that show up every week um at at like total it's got to be 30 different distribution sites all throughout the week so it's just stuff like that man that's been a great opportunity and we've been able to shift energy to that see that's the kind of stuff that i love um you always hit and here's me projecting a little bit right uh certainly we expect the church 
people are putting a lot into the church, uh, whether it's different kinds of offerings and these different kinds of things. And I guess like one of the fears of people who are maybe not as devout, it's like, well, what am I giving money for? What are the things yeah. that I'm doing worth? Like, what do I know that's going to benefit somebody? And it's that when I hear stuff like that, it's like, okay, see, this is the mission that I'm always down for. Like, mm -hmm. I don't mind, for instance, paying taxes, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know that there are people who are frankly less fortunate than I am. If there's like mm -hmm. some kind of public services that help them out, cool. Like the money's not going to hurt me. Other people don't feel that way. I feel the same thing with like church. Like, I don't yeah. mind helping the, the less fortunate. I always thought that it was mm -hmm. a blessing that I'm in a position where I can. Like, again, quoting like lyrics, Jay-Z said again, how can I help the poor if I'm one of them? So if I'm in a position mm -hmm. where I can give back to somebody else and it improves their life, I feel like I'm accomplishing a mission. So it's super yeah. like important for people to hear stories like this because you don't always hear that. You always hear yeah. the negatives, you, you know, like, you're not Creflo Dollar. Like, I know you personally, yeah, nah, but bro. that's the but thing. I, and it's a lot of people. You can give me that jet, though. <laughs> I take it, too. Yeah, I want to fly G5, too. I get it. Uh, no, nah, I'm with it. And, and I'll say this, man. Um, as, as a pastor, and you know, my background, I grew up as a pastor's son and all that. So I'm, 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 I've been, you know, familiar with church and all that stuff. I think from a Christian standpoint, like our giving in church it, it really is a very personal kind of in some ways private thing between me and God. It's just a way of I'm I'm acknowledging to God that, man, I'm blessed. You know what I mean? And 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 everything I have really comes from you anyway. And so I give as a personal act of kind of thanksgiving and worship to God. Um, so in a real sense, what I give to the church is uh, I mean, I I think I, I should give to if I'm a part of a local church, I should give to that church just out of uh out of my relationship with god period but the flip side of that is i think increasingly so especially in a culture in a generation that does not trust we don't trust authority like that you know what i'm saying because it, it and, and not just with the church but in every industry it's a whole bunch of shadiness going on you know what i mean we, we've seen it with the me too movement and a lot of different um leaders in different industries and business and entertainment and all of that we've seen it with the church how many headlines can we see of pastors who got a side piece or got a whatever um, and we also see it with, with with leaders when it comes to money so i think we as a church kind of have an obligation to help people see it. and we you can't do it with a on a one-to-one -one ratio i can't necessarily show you every dollar that you spend is that i'm not saying that but i'm saying we should be able to show people in our church that your giving is actually making an impact you know what I'm saying? Like, we got to go out of our way so that you don't just think your giving goes toward, you know what I'm saying, my Prada, you know what I'm saying, sunglasses or, or People whatever. People don't wear those anymore. Me. Yeah, I, I feel you. I wanted you to be cooler than that. People don't wear like, Prada Please, anymore. help me out, yeah, bro. I'm over you, here. I'm over yeah. here still. Yeah. No, but I think that's an amazing thing and thought, um, especially because, like you said, and I never it never dawned on me just how skeptical um i'd say that people are of authority like we yeah. question everything uh as a child everything. growing up yeah, yeah you didn't question anything an old person said it yo it must be true now bro like i literally question most things because it's like you know i believe none of what you see and half of what you hear like that's mm -hmm. how crazy mm -hmm. things are i mean you look mm -hmm. at the world mm -hmm. that we live in being in dc there was yeah. a lie that was essentially told and it literally has caused them to shut the entire city down like i know you're Sounds out in the, in the burbs bro you can't cross any bridge getting into D.C. right now. The only yeah, one that's open, I believe, wild. is East Capitol Street. And that's because it's so yeah. far away from everything. And they think if yeah. you go through the hood, the hood's going to probably take care of you. 
other yeah. than that, like, yeah. there's none of this. And so we're in such a weird time right now where there has to be some trust and, I think, belief in what people are doing. Yeah. Like, I, I tend to buy things from people that I believe in. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I support people with, like, my, my real money because it's like, you know what? I could go out and spend money on God knows whatever. But for me, yeah. it's like I'd rather spend that with people that I think that either have similar ideals or they're good people. Like, I'm not just giving away money to corporations anymore just because that's the right. hot thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, well, it's different. It's a different generation. Like, back in the day, it was just brand loyalty. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a... I buy G GMs, you know what I'm saying? I buy, I buy, you know, like my grandfather, it was Cadillac all day. It don't matter. Like Facts. he's going to get a Cadillac. Facts. It's different now. People were like that with the church. You know, it was like as just an institution, there was a loyalty to it. Uh, I think now, man, people want to give to a cause. You see what I'm saying? They want to give to something that aligns with their values and that they're able to actually see impact which makes it difficult, I think, as leaders. And I think this is true for churches, but I think it's true for folks you got listening, man, that are in leadership positions, especially in nonprofit organizations and stuff like that. People now need to be able to see evidence. Like they want receipts that their money is actually making an impact. They're not just taking your word for it. I think that's because so much of what we've seen from kind of like the televangelists. Um, yeah, where that's a fact. I, you know, I love some of the stuff that Joel like Osteen says, for instance, right? But then it's like I remember when Houston had their massive floods, and they were like, "Yo, we're not taking people or into the church." Like, what do you mean? And it's mm -hmm. like people have given you know millions of dollars to your establishment. I don't know if that's the best look, and I can't mm -hmm. say why or you know I'm not saying that he's a bad person. So like, yeah. and I know that that's the first thing people are thinking like, yo, he's a terrible dude. I'm not saying that. I don't know like the the whys, the why nots. None of that is my business, frankly. But what is my business is the optics. Optics matter so much more than they used to. Because to yeah. your point, we used to, we just follow directions. Now I can't do that anymore. I've seen yeah. too many instances where if I didn't pay attention, someone took advantage of me. And so because of that, now to your point, we, I need receipts. I need to see yeah, where man. things are going. And so again i think it's really cool and in knowing you i kind of know the story kind of you know full on i knew how you grew up so mm -hmm. i know that you're not out here doing the same things that like you know we'll assume that pastors are doing it's like that's not mike like if you if you mm -hmm. know him he's super humble like that's not even how he lives but i understand yeah. from the other side because you know there's all these assumptions so I, but, again, and, I, and 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 for real talk I, i've been and i've been around that i you know what i'm saying like my dad like was was very honest and kept it real with me even growing up. So he would point out like, "Yo, this dude is a good preacher, da da da," da but he's shaved. You know what I'm saying? So I, I I grew around. I've seen firsthand when people talk about pastors be pimping the church and stuff like that. That's not true of all pastors. That's not even true of most pastors, to be honest. But it is true though. It definitely do be pastors. You know what I'm saying? That be pimping the church or are shady with how they use money or preach about one thing but live another way um and that's why i never to be honest I, I never thought i would be and never had an interest in being in ministry uh because i had seen so much of that kind of hypocrisy and stuff like that and i, I was just like i'm good um but so i, I do try man i know I, i'm not perfect and that's why I'm, I'm slow to judge you know other people's hearts and stuff like that uh but i do think we kind of gotta watch out i mean the bible is very i was just preaching this sunday um and uh and the apostle paul talked about he uses the phrase peddlers of god's word 
And these were shady preachers, you know what I'm saying? Um, who, who were manipulating the truth of scripture for their own selfish gain. Um, so I think, uh, I mean, I, I, that narrative is not just out there for no reason. So I think we kind of have to work extra hard in this generation to to make sure that people don't see us that way. Nah, that's bars, bro. Um, Again, as somebody that knows you personally, I can vouch and say that you're honestly a good guy. Like the dirt that's, you know, quote unquote in your closet isn't like that you're a bad person or that you did anything crazy. Like, mm-hmm. so like, and I get there's this, this impetus to say that, you know, anybody who is, you know, uh, a pastor has to be perfect. That's not mm-hmm. the case. Cause it yeah, not me. You don't have to be, but like what has to be perfect is that like your love for God and how you just want to get better are. And I think that those are things that you always do. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't have to be. Yeah, we don't have to be perfect, bro. Like none of us are. And that's okay. But it's how how moral are you? Like, do I trust you with stuff? Absolutely. That's Mm -hmm. what starts making like more sense for me, because we're all going to make mistakes. It's are you going to keep repeating that mistake? So that respect like that mistake isn't a mistake. It's an actual behavior. Like yeah. that's when we start having different conversations, but like, yeah, no, yeah. like I just think yeah, that's bro. cool, bro. Um, yeah. here's something I want to ask you. Uh, you have a multi-ethnic church or congregation. Yeah. As a black man, how difficult have things been for you to navigate? Um, obviously since kind of like the death of George Floyd and it's mm-hmm. thrown us back into like a, I'd say like a sort of civil rights era where, um, mm-hmm. What we grew up like basically learning was that if it wasn't for a, a lot of the preachers or like, you know, the black church, we wouldn't have civil rights. Most of that was led by reverence. Mm-hmm. It's not just MLK. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of guys. It was the people locally. And that's where yeah. a lot of your organization came from. So yeah. what do you see as your role in that, given where we are now? And of, and of course, I mean, we we saw this, I guess, two weeks ago now where people that did not look like you and I were allowed to go into the Capitol and, and only one person got shot. Sure, it's wild, bro. It's wild. I can't, yeah. I've been in a lot of conversations about that and I just, yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, man. That's just, that's, I'm, I'm thankful for that. You know what I mean? And quite, and to be honest with you, uh, I know um, our church, so just to give people a little bit of context, so the church where our pastor is McLean Bible Church, so we're what's called a multi-site church. So we have different locations around the D.C. metro area. Uh, and it's a, it's a large church, uh, um, has historically been overwhelmingly a white church. Um, but I've been at the church now for 14 years, uh, just on staff. I came on uh, with young adult ministry stuff and over time just got more and more responsibility. So I'm one of the lead pastors of the church now. And, uh, and so we've increasingly, as I've been here, we've grown more and more diverse, uh, which I'm thankful for. But that also means, you know, there's a whole lot of different perspectives and opinions and convictions and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so even most recently, you know, with the with the stuff that went down at the Capitol, people violently storming the Capitol building during a congressional session, five people losing their lives, one of whom was a was a Capitol uh, police officer, um, dozens of people injured, even that, you know what I'm saying, can't, can't end up being a debate. Um, so uh, I think one of the differences, man, with, uh, uh, with back in the day, like Martin Luther King or, or leaders of the civil rights movement was back then, the civil rights movement is happening during a time of of segregation legally, but also uh, just culturally, like the segregation, the lines of segregation were very thick. So you had the black church, which was the black church. You didn't have a whole lot of 
uh, you know, multi-ethnic, multicultural churches. Um, so they were leading out of a congregation that in many ways agreed with the need for a civil rights movement, even if there was disagreement about what that should look like. One of my challenges, man, in leading in a multicultural church is, is honestly, there's there can be just disagreement on fundamentals. Like, is systemic racism real or not? You know what I mean? So a lot of times, man, we start in that ground zero with some of those conversations. Um, so it's been it's been hard, bro. It's been really hard, man. When honestly, when George Floyd was murdered, that was that actually was a uh, a major revelation for a lot of people in our church. People who have had a hard time getting on board with conversations about racial justice and people who really resisted uh, Black Lives Matter, um, the organization, but even just the movement in general. Um, people who really would get upset if you talked about police brutality. Um, people who would get really angry if you talked about just American history. George Floyd's situation opened up a lot of hearts. Uh, and I can't fully understand what it was because it's not like that's the first time we had something on video like that. But it did something in our country. Um, and so uh, so we've had a lot of good conversations, man. We preached on it. We, we, we taught five weeks on it. We've written a, a resource that we're going to publish uh, later this year um, on it. Uh, so, man, we've just been trying to lead um, publicly, but also behind the scenes in some hard conversations. So what was that conversation like when, because I'm assuming, um, salute to your dad. I'm going to say that first. Uh mm. What were conversations like between you and your dad? Because I'm assuming that's the kind of person you would go to for counsel for something like this. Yeah. Right? He, yeah. he has a church like right on Florida Avenue. Like you're in the middle yeah. of the hood. We know what's in up. the hood. In the hood. Uh, becoming yeah. completely gentrified. But like, yeah. what are some of those conversations that allowed you to get to a place where you were able to probably like maybe cross the, I don't want to say cross the aisle necessarily, but you're mm -hmm. able to still have conversations with people where we're not even agreeing on the same facts. Because that's hard. Yeah. It's hard, man. So this is what I would say, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring my dad into this in a second. One of the things I find, and I think this is true for any people of color who are in a, a predominantly white institution. So your job, a church, whatever. Um, this is how I describe my journey. Being here 14 years and now as one of the lead pastors over the entire church, but did not start that way. When I first came in, and this was just me, you know my background, Russell. I grew up in all black everything. So PG County, uh, for listeners, you know, that's Prince George's County. Um, I call that, I call PG County like the kingdom of black people. And maybe Atlanta nice. is that now. Nah, but it's still PG Prince County, County yeah. It's still PG County. Um, and then, you know, my family's roots are in D.C. Um, and pre-gentrification. You know what I mean? Like my, my, my family, my dad and aunts and all of them are like real D.C. residents for real, for real. Um, and then my dad started pastoring um, in the same ward he grew up in during the uh like 1992 when he started pastoring at the church where he is now in dc so that's right at the height of the crack epidemic it was it was wild um i grew up in all black everything so i didn't i didn't know nothing about the the church outside of the black church and i didn't know much about culture outside of black culture you know what i'm saying i didn't know nothing about no Green Day or no, you know, back in the day in high school, you know, when people listen to that, I didn't know that. I couldn't tell you a Beatles track. I could probably sing the song. I couldn't tell you what the Beatles. I didn't know nothing. So for me, when I first came into our church, I was really trying to find my place 
I just didn't know what, where my place, I didn't know where I fit. They were making Seinfeld jokes. I ain't watch, grow up watching Seinfeld. You know what I'm saying? Still I, never I, seen I, an episode. I'm cool. Dog, I don't know. Now, I can quote bar for bar if you if we talking Martin. You know what I mean? Um, and <laughs> right. then I realized, oh, like, Seinfeld is white people's Martin. You know what I mean? And so I was, it was just finding my place. But then something shifted. And for me, it was when Trayvon Martin was murdered. I shifted from trying to find my place to then finding my voice. And that's a very different thing. So if you're in a company or you're in an E-suite or C-suite, you know, situation um, and, and you're the only black person, you're the only person of color, you might come in and you're just trying to find your place. Where do I fit in? Da, 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 da. At a certain point, you realize now you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to represent a whole bunch of people that are not sitting in that room. And you have a responsibility to hopefully in a helpful way, but also a courageous way to speak truth to power. Um, and so uh, that's where my dad really came in because my dad has been black church pastor. He was, you know, uh, chairman of the mayor's interfaith council in DC for a while. He's been at the, the front lines of advocating for issues for the black community. Um, so I had to like start to learn my voice and he became a coach in that because it is very easy as a black person in a predominantly white institution quite frankly to become a sellout and not that all black people agree on everything but but to so i'm not talking about based on convictions i'm talking about you have a conviction but you refuse to stand on that conviction because you're worried about how that's going to affect your bottom line or yeah you're or worried you about losing keep, your place you were you worried about losing your place or something like that it's very easy to do that um and so my dad was that wise coach but he was also accountability you know what I mean? To be like, nah, son, God has you there for a reason. Um, and no matter what happens, at the end of the day, you you got to face God. You know what I mean? Like you have to uh, you, you have to be accountable to him. Um, and so uh, so, man, I started pushing, man. Um, and, and it hasn't been easy, dog. I, I, there's been a whole lot of smoke. Uh, there's been pushback, but there's also been a whole lot of solidarity and a whole lot of people who have learned and been challenged and have grown and to be honest with you i've grown and been changed it's been so helpful to be in a church that's so diverse with people from backgrounds that, that i just don't know you know what i'm saying and so uh uh so that's been real helpful man i'm talking to people who are high up in the fbi who are part of our congregation who sit under my preaching um it's people high 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 up in in the government dog, who are sitting in our congregation every week so when i go in on social media you know, they'll pull me to the side and be like, hey, man, listen, this is something you're not thinking about. And we're able to sharpen each other. Um, so it's it's been rough at times, man, but it's been a really beautiful thing, too. I don't think any growth is really comfortable. So the fact that, yeah. like, you know, frankly, you're willing to put the work in for that speaks to kind of everything and what will make the journey sort of worth it. Like if it was easy, everybody would do it. Um, that, yeah, yeah. I, like, I understand when you say, like, you know, like, people are selling out on their convictions. That's the easy way. Like, people are comfortable. Um, I could sit back, not open my mouth, make really good money and not say anything. And yep. people, you know, for the most part, wouldn't judge me for it because they're like, hey, you have a great life. You want to keep that. But yep. what does that get for everybody else? Like, I've always said yep. that, like, your journey can't just be about you. Like, no, it can't. It man. You know what I'm saying? You have, to, you have to be able to do stuff for other people. And so often we get really selfish. And and again, I can't talk. I got a BMW. I, you know, I have a nice place. All of those things, like, it's great. 
but at the end of the day i can't take none of that with me like if i was to die tomorrow mm-hmm. like what are they gonna say about me not that i drive yeah. a nice car you yeah. know like that that would be a crazy thought to have so you really want to affect others and not because it's like oh well you know i'm trying to add up points like no i genuinely want to see people do better so if it's yeah. a conversation that i can have like i've certainly challenged people at work where i am that are higher than me where it's like you know frankly uh when all of this stuff kind of kicked off we didn't even have a conversation about it and i'm mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I went to my director and i'm like hey um here's why i think you need to cover this stuff mm-hmm. right? it's certainly black people on your team uh we all saw the same thing it's a lot of civil unrest you yeah. have to be a voice even if you're not comfortable for it i'm not saying that you got to find or figure out exactly what they're saying everything will be right but you can't not say anything and then falling kind of behind that well it's political it's only political if you make it you could literally yeah. just say hey what we see going on has to change we need some change in this and when yeah. i said that to him he was like no that's you know it's a good point he's you know the director of my uh, division is what 61 i believe Mm. And I'm teaching him something and, you know, helping him find courage to speak up to stuff. Yeah. Because, again, yeah. to your point, it is scary doing that a lot of times. And people don't want to rock the boat. People do like being comfortable. People love being in the space that they're in because they know what they're going to get. You don't know what happens if, like, you know, you rock the boat and now there's pushback from it. Turbulence isn't yeah. cool. Like, the waves get choppy. A lot of people don't want to ride that. But, I, you know, I love the fact that you're willing to do that, um, especially in a time like now. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh as lying has become more prevalent, I wonder what we do to now sort of combat that and start talking about things that are the truth and things mm-hmm. that we can all kind of agree on. Um, again, uh, this sounds crazy. None of us have ever met Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people believe that he exists. But if mm-hmm. we don't see it, we, we have to start believing things on faith. So how do you attack these things where, again, people are going to believe what they do, but we now have to try to bring them together so that we can kind of make a better society for everyone? Yeah, man, it's, it's tough. I mean, that truth thing is real because I think we're in a uh, we're in a culture where truth is a is it that's that's a real big challenge for us right now. So fake news, um, uh, social media, man, is is uh, golly, man, it just it spreads so, so much misinformation. And I see this on both sides. You know, we clearly saw it, I think, on the right um, uh, with with some of the things that led up to the riots and, the, and just everything that happened at the Capitol, and, uh, which, which I, I, I hate to even call that riots. I mean, because that that's that wasn't that wasn't the same thing as a riot. That was that was breaking into a secure government building during a congressional session like that. That's something different. Um, but uh, so but we saw all of the conspiracy theories, you know what I'm saying, that 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 kept raising the temperature, raising the temperature um, and and end up being expressed in that situation. But I think we see the same thing on the left, too. And I think we have to be careful. And and now, obviously, I come from a background that is more left leaning when it comes to racial justice issues and social programs and all that type of stuff. So I kind of have to be careful with that um, because it, it has real consequences, man, when we when we spread uh misinformation so from a church standpoint man that's something we're actually talking about right now is how do we disciple our people uh um in in the truth you know and we're a church so our job is not necessarily we don't endorse candidates we don't we 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 walk a fine line even from a legal standpoint uh when it comes to politics but but everything to a certain degree is political you know what i'm saying we may not be talking about specific policy 
but um, all policy is is just bringing morality into the public square. I mean, that's that's really that's really what it is. So anytime we we express a conviction on any issue, um, especially any issue that has to do with the public, um, then it's, it can be easily interpreted as political. Uh, and so we've just said, hey, we're going to speak the truth regardless. We're going to be wise as we do that. We're going to try to be nonpartisan. Um, but but truth is not um, truth is not always equal on both sides. You no, see what I'm saying? Not. Yeah, no. And so not. sometimes we're going to say some things and it's going to sound very, very liberal um, because it's biblical um, and because it's what Jesus taught. And then there's going to be times where we say things that's going to sound very, very conservative. Um, and it's because it's biblical and uh, and it's what Jesus taught. And, uh, and, and, and we just made a commitment as a church, man. We are trying to represent Jesus. I, I don't care where it falls, on what side it falls. Now, privately and personally, we all have our own political opinions and convictions and all that type of stuff, which is fine. Um, but uh, it's not my job to make you a Democrat or make you a Republican. It's my job to help you really come into a relationship with God through Jesus, help you to grow to be more like Jesus. And that's going to get fleshed out in a bunch of different ways. Yo, that's cool, man. Um, I have a question for you, and it's a little off topic, but yeah, it's talking about politicians. I hate when politicians come to church and they preach. Like instead man. of talking in their normal man. voice, I man. really hate when it's like they get preaching. Uh, it's like yeah, that's not bro. for everybody, bro. Like, come on, yeah. like, why are and you doing this? We can tell too. We yeah. can tell if you, if you, yeah. I, I, I hate that too, bro. And and but it's you know they do it because they think, you know, that's that's how you that's how you got to connect. You know what I mean? So, no, it only works. That only works for like a couple of people. Not everybody has that gift. And if you don't have it, it's cool. Like, yeah, this is going to sound crazy. I actually prefer, for instance, like Raphael Warnock to be himself instead mm -hmm. of being like, um, mm -hmm. kind of let me get into Democrat mode. Like when he's mm -hmm. like a preacher, it's like, all right, you connect with me a little bit more. Like I thought he was a terrible candidate. I support mm -hmm. him because he's a Democrat, mm -hmm. but I'm like, eh, mm -hmm. I kind of get why, like, uh, things are a little dicey here, but I understand mm -hmm. it, you know? Uh, yeah, but you got to figure out what your lane is. Like, Listen, there's some preachers out here that's trying to be something that they not. So, you know what I mean? Like, I grew up in traditional black church, bro. So you know how that preaching is, and I love it. I respect it. There is a, a history and a heritage behind, you know, that the typical black preacher style. That's never been me. Like, even if I try, I would look like a f idiot. You know what I'm saying? So I just gonna get up the way I'm talking right now. That's what you're gonna get on a Sunday. But um, I, I so, think you don't yeah. have to. Like, there's certain things yeah. that are authentic to people, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and we certainly started. Like, I started the pod by talking about like how at least I saw this for you. Like, even mm -hmm. if you didn't see it for yourself, I remember when you joined um, A and Q, and you had the entire again entire black campus, University of Maryland, following behind. I'm like, yo, like. How did this happen? Like, they're more popular than the Alphas, like, the Kappas yeah, who got kicked off. Like, y'all were killing it. I'm like, yo, Mike has, like, it's a thing, bro. Like, he's got the gravitas where he pulls people into his orbit. And everybody just wants to do things like, like him. And that doesn't say that you're not, like, you know, like, you're dope. But it's like, nah, like, yo, what Mike is doing, we believe in this. We want to do it, too. Well, and I, that's where, man, I mean, I, like I said, I'm glad you saw some stuff even before I saw it. But that's what we got to know kind of what our lane is and what our strengths are. I knew back then, even though I did, did not think it was going to be in a church, 
but I knew that my like my gift or what I love to do, I love to bring people together to have a good time. You know what I'm saying? Um, or or to or to and that could be in, in terms of bettering themselves or just just uplifting or whatever. So I knew that and you you know this before I was really serious in my Christianity. Like I wanted to be Diddy. You know what I'm saying? I thought nice. I was gonna you know do have an entertainment company. Well, I wanted to start by promoting parties. I wanted to be Mark Barnes. Those of you who from the DC area, you know Mark Barnes, legendary, you know, nightclub owner and all that type of stuff. And then I wanted to to uh, finesse that into a, like an entertainment company and represent artists and stuff like that. So I thought, but what the thread though, and I've had a lot of time obviously to reflect on this now as a pastor and a preacher and all that. The thread in all of that was, I really love getting people together. I don't have to be the center of it. You know what I'm saying? I just love like getting people. If I was going to run a, you know, a club, I just want to be in a DJ booth, not as the DJ, but just looking out over the whole crowd, having a good time. So that's just, I knew, I knew I was wired that way. And it just so happened that now that's, that's playing itself out in a church setting. But, uh, but I hope everybody, man, will do the work uh, to, to find out what that lane is, man. Cause I think it's so many people, honestly, man, who are either, I don't want to say wasting time because because God is not a waster of time and he's not a waster of lives. So everything you are experiencing and going through is, is just a part of your journey and development. But I hope people will give more intentionality to trying to figure out, like, how am I wired? And then when you figure it out, don't be so terrified to go after it. You know what I mean? Um, mm. and, and, and just choose what's comfortable as opposed to choosing what you're actually called to do, what God wants to release into the world through you, we can just choose that 401k. We could choose that salary. We could choose that, you know, corner office as opposed to stepping out on faith and, and experiencing that fulfillment. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm doing I'm doing what I do now. You know what I mean? But I, I would not have seen it 20 years ago. I think, I mean if we all think about it like none of us really knew we might have known what our gifts were we just didn't know the right way to kind of channel them and that mm -hmm. comes with kind of like growth uh experiences just different things that happen to you so you know like certain challenges got put in front of you uh again i'm gonna say it being at a and q that was the eye opening because even though i saw it it was like okay i see it like yeah he likes to play instruments like that's cool mm -hmm. but nah there's something different about the way they following him like mm -hmm. He can he can really affect some real stuff. Um, and I mean, you just look at the people that were around you. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think the ANQ is doing the same thing like at University of Maryland now. Nah, ANQ is not even at University of Maryland now. See yeah, what I'm saying? It, and it's, yeah, but dog, that was an era too, bro. Like, like that little that time period. And I know I was at University of Maryland as a student longer than most uh, because I was not an academic. So I was in that joint for a hot minute. Um, but you think about that time period, dog. It was so many people that came out of that that window of time when we were at Maryland who were doing in, incredible stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, it, it, I mean, it was a fun time, dog. And, and looking back now, seeing people like Jason Reynolds and uh, you know just all these different people, man, that were at yeah. Maryland I was I saw him like maybe right before COVID, like in person, mm -hmm. and we were kind of rapping and just remembering mm -hmm. how he came from a period of just like he was that dude for spoken word. Yeah, and now yeah. he is that dude as an author doing yeah. the things that he wanted to do. Like that's Killing super it. dope. Yeah, like I don't know if you dope, know like bro. Terrell Battle. Like yes. Terrell, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I remember when I moved out to L.A., he was like you know struggling artist, 
was just yep. trying to make it yep. to now he's writing jokes for Will Smith. Yeah, like he's crazy. doing his thing. And yeah, it's like, yeah. these are the people that like are frankly our peers and we see all of it. Like, heck, look at yeah. Camille. Camille, me yeah. and Camille yes. used to joke all of the time about like, yo, I know you're crazy uh, libertarian. We need to do yeah. something political and like bring this to the forefront. Next thing you know, I moved to LA. Homie is on like Fox News with uh, yeah. Kennedy from MTV, yeah, like killing. and really doing stuff and killing it. So like, yeah. you gotta salute people when they when they figure out what their thing is and kind of that energy and they go for it. Like, yeah. there's so many instances. Yeah, man. So many for instances. Sure. So, um, what's next for you? Uh, what's the next challenge that you want to try to tackle? Man, I think for us, so we just, oh, it's crazy, man. So we had just rolled out um, new vision, you know, for, for our church. Um, and, and part of that for us is we want to, uh, we want to multiply meaning. We want to help start new churches, uh, which I know to a lot of people might seem like we don't need new churches. But I, what I mean is specifically new churches that are really equipped to reach like this generation um, and, and with the issues that are facing this generation. So we had just re rolled, rolled out some new vision for our church um uh and uh we called it a new chapter it's on our website and all that stuff and then COVID hit so we've kind of had to push pause at least publicly underneath the surface you know behind the scenes we've been hustling and working and trying to build infrastructure and you know all this type of stuff uh to be prepared to um to pull the trigger when that time comes so I think the next big thing for, for us, man, is moving into that next phase of vision implementation. Um, and part of that is, is uh, starting new churches. Part of what we really want to be as a church as well, man, is uh, especially, I mean, God has us right here in the nation's capital, one of the largest churches in the area. I think as a diverse church, we need, our country needs a model of what civil discourse really looks like. Um, how do we disagree? Like real talk disagree. Um, and uh, but but we can disagree with each other and not demonize each other. Like I can think your ideas are trash, but not think you're trash. You know what I'm saying? And so um, so what does that look like in a church setting? Where like I said, man, we have a lot of political leaders in our church, business leaders, um, but then we also got people that work for FedEx and immigrants, and we got refugees on staff, and we got so we it's it's a very diverse group of people, and so we are trying to put some energy into what does that look like for us to do it and not in a way where we ask everybody to assimilate to the preferences of white people but like we're saying no this is a genuine mutual mutually like beneficial uh community that reflects our diversity for real and not just in like surfacey kumbaya like ways um, and then we want to be able to help resource and equip other churches and other, you know, Christian organizations and stuff to be able to do that um, here, but also uh, in really, really hard places around the world, man. Because the type of division that we're dealing with here, it looks unique because of our American dynamics. But the 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 fundamentals, man, you see it played out like all over the world. Like I've been in Rwanda and Burundi and Congo where there's two factions that are still trying to heal a generation after, you know, genocide. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And now they find themselves in the same church. Um, when I know that your tribe was responsible for murdering my family in cold blood. So, um, so yeah, man, that's the big thing for us now is, is trying to learn that, how to do that here, but also being able to help equip and support people that are doing that all over the world. 
Do you think that that would be easier, at least here, if there wasn't the the notion of maybe like a reverse racism or, you know, uh, I didn't know anything about, like, I wasn't responsible for any of the sins of slavery. Like, mm-hmm. I, get, mm-hmm. I guess we get so much of that when, you know, frankly, no, as a person who was born in, we're 80s babies. As a person that was mm-hmm. born in the 70s, 80s, whatever, no, you're not responsible for slavery. But the head start that your family got because of slavery, because of Jim Crow, the way that literally, uh, I'd say, um, racism affects black people now uh, from mm-hmm. an institutional level, mm-hmm. you recognize that. When, yeah. you, you know, when frankly white people are treated like black people, they don't like it either. Like when you mm-hmm. see that things aren't so sweet and that people treat you like, you know, in a way that you don't think is becoming of yourself, you don't like it and so for us to still feel that way there's a part of us wanting those people to acknowledge it like hey yeah i'm not saying that you got to say like you know write me a a four-page letter and tell me why you know your family was terrible nah but you have to acknowledge the sins of the past and how they still affect us right now and until we come to that like kind of moment i think we're going to continue to see things in the divisive way that we have like the I, the best no, thing about so like agree. yeah yeah the best thing about the George Floyd thing and then how we saw Black Floyd like Black Lives Matter over the summer, it wasn't just black people. You had white people for the first time, like you said earlier, crossing that line and then hitting them in a visceral way. So yeah. you need more of that. Like it has to be all of us, not just some of us. And of course, they're going to be twenty percent of the people that we're not going to get to anyway. They'll die out, and their kids got to learn to be better. But we yeah. need that critical mass to just be like, you know what, this isn't right. Yeah, I agree, dog. And, and that's the work we're trying to do in our church. And it's hard, man, because, um, you know, the way I the way I, 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 I talk about it, it's like, you know, if you try to, I mean, we remember this with our parents trying to wake us up. I got young kids now. So you try to wake your kids up um, when you walk in and you wake somebody up, especially if you just t- flip the light switch on. It's they don't wake up like super thankful, hugging you. You know what I'm saying? Like, thank you for, you know, turning turning the lights on and burning my eyes. No, it, they, they're frustrated. And I think that's the same thing we see happening in our country as people are waking up in, in many ways to these realities. And some people are being forced to wake up to those realities. Um, there, there is pushback. Uh, and, and I think there's two things on that. One is I think a lot of people and I think I think all people, but specifically, I think white people in our country and we see this in our church um, really need to, to, to be willing to do that work to acknowledge the past and then acknowledge and be aware of ways that that stuff continues in the future, um, in the present and how the past impacts the present. But I think they have to go deeper than that too, because, uh, one of my boys is a pastor in New York, Jordan Rice. He always used the analogy of if you grew up, you know, uh, we, we know if you, if you grew up in Baltimore, you don't say Baltimore, you say Baltimore, like, like with a D. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like if you if you grew up like your accent in L.A. is going to be very different than your accent in Boston, um, much less if you if you grew up in some other country. If you grew up uh, immersed in an accent your whole life, it's crazy to think that that's not going to affect you. Like you're going that accent is going to affect you when you talk, even though you weren't con- you didn't consciously choose. You know what I'm saying? To to have that accent. I think it's the same thing. We, we've grown up in a culture, a racialized culture. Uh, we, we grew up in a country that not in terms of its fundamental principles, but the ways that the country actually lived out those principles with hypocrisy. We've grown up in an environment of racism that has affected every institution in our country. 
So, um, and, and we pass down stuff to generations. If it's not explicit, it's implicit. It's just the ways, like if a white person brought home a black dude or whatever. And so I think white people really have to do the work to see how the racism of our country is not just something that's outside of me. It's something that has affected me. Um, and I need to be, be honest about that. Um, and I think that's true for all of us because I think we're talking now about black, white racism, but within the black community, you know, we grew up in ways where we looked at Africans a certain way and Africans as immigrants looked at black people a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, no, that's real. So I don't I believe in like, yeah, I don't believe black people can be racist, but we can certainly be prejudiced. And For that sure. plays out in a number of ways. So I won't even, yeah. I already know how, you know, like our grandparents generation or, you know, aunts, uncles, whatever. Hi, auntie. Uh, like they put it down. Like they can certainly have certain biases. Yeah, for sure, man. And, but the, and the flip side, I was going to say, bro, and this is, I think we have to be, um, I don't want to use the word patient, but I would say gracious because one of the mistakes I think I made, bro, is I came in like, like just popping off on people because I was so angry. Um, and, and there were some people that needed, uh, yeah, they, 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 they needed, um, I, they just, they just needed some confrontation. I'll put it that way. Um, but there were other people, man, who they were ready. They were humble. They wanted to learn, but because they were white, I just assumed yada, yada, yada. Like you ain't really trying to learn. You're not really whatever. And so I think there has to be a graciousness, a boldness, a, a courage, but a graciousness that acknowledges that, um, all white people aren't the same and God might have me in relationship with somebody or in like you mentioned in, in in your job situation or whatever where i can help them grow and in that process then then i might grow uh as a result of that too see i, I want to agree with so much of what you said and and it's hard because i do think that at a certain point we have to allow people the space to kind of come around but bruh like we turned 40 this year how yeah. much space do you need like the world like your eyes should have been open a long time ago to whatever silliness that you've seen when you've had people that are probably black that have told you no this is not fair and you brush it off like yeah i, I, I want to give people that like i do and then it's like i i sit back and i get upset with myself because i'm like you were okay with this happening to somebody else because they didn't look like you like that's the mm -hmm. same thing that hit me when when me too happened right I personally don't associate with men that I think do like trash stuff to women. Like mm -hmm. if you really get down in a way that I don't think that's cool, we can't be cool. Like mm -hmm. I don't want you around me. I don't want you to associate with me. I don't want people to think that we're friends. Like I don't play that. So when that happened, it was just like, well, this isn't my friends like that. This is mm -hmm. all news to me because again, like I don't want those kind of people in my circle. But then you have all of these situations where you obviously hear people aren't are trash. Now, as a man, I have to reckon with that. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I have to understand that, like, you know, like you read these weird things on, you know, social media. Uh, and it was a really poignant post. Woman said, how would you feel if there were no men around and you just heard about like the, the crazy things that women just said they'll do? And I don't mean even like crazy. I mean, I could walk down the street uh, at two o'clock in the morning and not worry. I could have a conversation with somebody. It was just all of these things that you like you and I take for granted that women don't because of men. So I, I look at the same thing when I look at racism. Like we mm -hmm. know that it exists. History is usually written by the victor. 
I know for a fact that slavery was much worse than anything that's ever been written in a history book. Until I saw um, Nate Parker's movie, uh, what is it, Birth of a Nation, Mm -hmm. I didn't know personally how brutal it was. And I'm Mm -hmm. a black person. Mm-hmm. Like and so I understand how things are downplayed, but I knew slavery exists. But the brutality yeah. of it, so I'm like, when we see all of this racism, I mean, one of the favorite things that I have about living in DC is the African American History Museum. Yeah, man. Yeah. There's literally a plaque that says, you know, race is a social construct. We mm-hmm. are all the same, and I think that until people start recognizing that. We'll have this. And I mean, obviously, I want to see people get better, like whether that's the prejudices that I have or like any of my, you know, my friends or associates. I want those to get better. So I'm not going to just put that all on white people because we all have them. But I want us all to start judging people just based on the person and not necessarily the perception of them. Yeah. And I mean, I know we and we don't live in an ideal world, so we want to get to that point. Um, You know what I mean? The reality is race is real. But when I say be gracious with people, here's how I, I, the the line, the the way I've tried to discern that. When when do I really come at somebody, or, or am I really firm versus give people space? To me, it's the difference between humility and arrogance. So if you if if I sense from you a humility, it doesn't mean you agree with me, but it means you at least acknowledge that you might be wrong. You at least you at least acknowledge that you have room to learn. Uh, and that you're willing to learn from me, I'll engage you. I'll engage you. And I've seen the fruit of that in our church because there are people who came from the South who, you know, are hardcore conservatives. You know, they just think the Confederate flag is, was really just about, you know, uh, uh, all those things, like all those different issues, right? Um, but they were humble. They were like, hey, I, I have a lot of questions because I don't understand why you talk the way you do or why you are so upset about that or i don't understand why you said this but you didn't you you know and i look at the situation with george floyd was kind of an easy one but let's use uh let's use brianna taylor like as a person that came from a you know uh a police family that grew up in a community that just loved police officers i don't if you're humble and we are having that conversation then there's room for growth but if you come and you're arrogant if you're arrogant and condescending, if your starting point is, um, I'm looking down on you, I know that nothing you could be saying is actually right, then those are the situations where I need to close the door on that because this is a this is potentially a waste of my time. Not just that, in this season right now, I really do have to guard my peace. You know what I'm saying? Like I really have to watch over my own soul care um because uh i mean i'm not trying to engage in a whole bunch of conversations that's gonna get me out of pocket especially as a pastor you know what i'm saying um so that's what i mean when i say gracious man i think there are people who are humble and want to learn still may disagree but are willing to engage and then there are other people that are not and i think we have to be very careful in discerning the difference between the two yeah you dropping some bars tonight bro um I guess I shouldn't not it uh I shouldn't be surprised you are a whole pastor but like some of the stuff that you're saying is pretty amazing. Um I know the you stuff do a I'm thing. Learning, man. Yeah, I know it's a thing you do it like all of the time where I think it's like you get off social media for one day, one week, mm, mm-hmm. one week, one month a year. Like Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you got to protect your peace at all costs, bro. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh any final thoughts you want to leave the people with, brother? 
Man, man, I would I would just say, uh, well, first of all, I mean, I'm a pastor, so I got to put a plug in for uh, for folks when it comes to Christ and, and church and all of that. And I know it's a lot of people that believe different things. The one the one little seed I would try to plant is I just know it's a lot of people that uh, reject what they think Christianity is or what or how Christianity has been represented. And I just would tell people um uh, don't just reject a, a, a caricature, you know what I'm saying, of Christianity or of the Bible or what or all the things you've heard about the Bible. Um, you know, read it yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like talk to somebody who actually really knows the Bible and, and, and is really trying to live it. Um, and I got friends, you know what I mean, who do know the Bible and disagree with it. And, and, and we have good conversations and arguments and all that stuff. Um, uh, and then I'll put a plug in, man, find, find a local church near you to to uh to to really connect with but in terms of all the other stuff we've been talking about man i just want to encourage all of us especially on the point that you made the about truth i think this is a time where um if we're not careful man all of us can be played facts like all of us can be played and we've talked about it you know what i'm saying like we're in a two-party system which makes it super difficult at times because none of us are going to agree with everything, you know, I'm saying in the Democratic Party. None of us are going to agree for folks, you know, that are Republicans in the Republican Party. Um, uh, but even when we talk about social media and we talk about cable news and all that, um, I just think there has to be a sense of humility in all of us when we're engaging in some of these hard issues. Um, uh because man, we can we can be influenced by, by by our own biases, by a whole bunch of misinformation and stuff like that. So we got I think in our in our day and age, it's so it's it's tough, man, because there's so much there's never been a time where there's been more information available, but there's also never been a time where there's more like misinformation available or deception. Um, so we gotta do our homework, man, because sometimes we be out here looking crazy, man. I be watching people on social media, I be like, yo, y'all talking crazy. Like, why, why are you reposting this, dog? Like, it takes one Google search to find out that's not true. Facts. Um, so, Facts. yeah, man, just just humility for all of us, man. So we can try to, 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 to get our neighborhoods, our families, this country out of the craziness that we find ourselves locked in right now. And once we know the truth, man, let's stand up. Let's stand on it. You know what I mean? Like, not be afraid of what people got to say or, or, or uh, losing our place in our career and in our industry. Um, but but being willing to, to to eat it if we have to because we 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 have convictions, you know what I'm saying? Yo, I'm gonna leave that with the last word, bro. Um, Mike didn't want to say it because he's humble. Uh, please check him out. Uh, I know he's at McLean Bible. Like, it's a real thing. And as long as I've known this brother, there have been people that have literally grown or been in better places that are you know, frankly, just because they do it together. So. I know he mentioned Jordan. Uh, that's mm, yeah. through association again. A and Q like that. That list runs really deep. So um, when you guys hear this, please check my guy out. Uh, I'm sure you'll hear like some great words. Um, he'll probably tell you that he still plays ball. My jump shot is better than his. Listen, like, man. I, I will put that. I'm like, just saying right we gotta record an episode after we after we get back together. And we'll, you, we'll see. We'll just see. You are always welcome to come on. If there's anything you want to say, like you were one of those people that got that free invite. Appreciate you, man. Uh, I end every episode saying the same thing. Ball players on a rap, rappers on a ball. My name is Darrell uh, of the Rel World Podcast, and we hope to see you guys next week. We out. Peace.